Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is February 19th, 2018, and this is episode 225. I'm Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. Scotty, happy President's Day. Thanks. <laughs> On today's show, we'll go around the bases to cover all that was in the first week of spring training. We'll also tell you everything we've learned and know so far based on pure speculation and grainy videos. That's right. And we'll do all that after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what is host special this evening? Host special, as always in SD Studios, is a uh, gin and tonic made with the finest Hendrix gin, cucumber, and I've done a dash of some elderflower liqueur um, into mine to give it a little bit more of that botanical taste to it. I was not brave enough for the botanical taste, but uh, I, I like what you're throwing down there. I am also enjoying the host special. Thank you very much for the, the Hendrix, a fine treat. If you'd like to know what we are drinking, it's usually not the G&T, and you can find out all about it on Untapped. Come Drink socially with us. I'm at Jake E4025. And I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, it's time for a checkup. That giggle right there? That's clear staph infection. It's okay if you giggle. Well, unless you get a staph infection out of it. Yes, yeah, Doc McStuffins hasn't been cleaning the uh, well. He hasn't been cleaning the uh, the hospital very well lately because uh, we've got a new addition to the medical wing, just covered in goldfish crackers. Pretty much, exactly. Uh, Andrew Suzak was uh, hospitalized. Andrew Suzak, of course, is one of the new uh, catchers that the Orioles went out and got. Um, he has uh, been hospitalized with a staph infection. Normally, we wouldn't basically say, "Oh, this is that big of a deal," but the Orioles are. Um, Desperately in need for catchers right now to basically catch the uh, plethora of pitchers out there. This is really terrible because when I when I saw the news about Susak, it, it was a tweet and it was oddly worded. And so it was uh, a tweet coming from one of the beat reporters who was, you know, basically reporting what Buck Showalter had said about the timetable and said that the folks at the do at the hospital uh, said the next 24 to 48 hours would go a long way to saying how long they would keep him. And when I read it, I thought that he meant that the next 24 to 48 hours would go a long way to telling how far, how long the Orioles were would keep him. I was Oof. like, ooh, that's kind of rough. That's brutal. After a couple of rereadings, I realized what was going on. Uh, Susak, clearly a big part of the Orioles' plans. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, no, not at all. I mean, definitely uh, more so of just a catching depth standpoint. Um, but again, you don't want a catcher to go out right at the beginning of camp if possible, because right now is the possibility for them to get as much uh, work with the pitchers and also just get the pitchers their bullpen sessions. So uh, not the best of timing for Suzak. Yeah. And then there's also this Zach Britton guy who's got something wrong with his ankle. I don't know. It sounds far fetched. So we cover this and everyone knows about the Achilles situation, but the big deal of course was uh, Zach Britton being moved to the 60 day DL um, just this past week which means that he's not going to be able to be activated until May 28th. Meh. So I know we talked about it before with like some of the comments that he made previously, and we said, well, what happens if he gets back like mid-May? This solidifies that he won't be back until the end of May and more than likely June at this point. Spoiler alert yes. for later on the show. I know what this is about. Okay. This is clearly roster manipulation for the Orioles' next big move. That's a possibility, but I still think it's one of those situations where you look at it and you say— all right, all that nice talk that Zach was putting out there, and that basically falls right into the line that we were talking about before, which is more than likely a June return rather than a May return. Sure. I also got a little ahead of myself, so let me try again. This is obviously roster manipulation for the Orioles' next underwhelming move. There you go. That's more appropriate. All right, well, let's go in 280 characters or less, and let's do this week on the Twitters. Yeah, here's a, an interesting tweet, and this comes directly from the Tampa Bay Rays, who tweet, of course, at Rays Baseball, announcing... Dot, dot, dot. The Ray Tank. Our new blog will have behind-the-scenes stories, photos, and more with a link to The Ray Tank. Yikes. Unloading $10 million worth of payroll just for the sake of unloading $10 million worth of payroll. Don't use the word tank. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, too, that um, maybe MLB teams are now starting into basically promoting their own blogs as opposed to basically relying on independent people. Um, I'm just curious of whether the Orioles are—wait, no. 
they already have Masson for this, so we really don't need to have an independent blog. Yeah, you know, I'd actually be really interested to see what the equivalent to Masson is in all the rest of the market. And and really, you know, the MLB.com slash blogs or MLD, MLB blogs or whatever it is, what that network looks like. Uh, because, you know, that used to be the place where you would find, for instance, uh, Britt Giroli's work. But now sure. Britt Giroli is just found straight up on MLB.com. Right. Um, you know, I... I'm interested to see what direction they take with the good work that they've done with advanced media. It's about time that they get into digital media. Yeah. Not to mention Orioles. If you're just looking to, you know, have someone write for you or just do shtick. Are there going to be any songs on the think tank? I think is what, or the, the race race tank tank? is what you're asking. If there's not, they're missing out. Okay. (laughs) I think suspended barbecue has clearly proven that shtick can work in MLB. Um, this next tweet goes into the category of why do we not feel this, uh, find this comforting? And then it comes from at Pressbox Online. Um, hashtag Orioles Chris Davis spent the offseason working with hitting coach Scott Kubal on a different approach. Quote, I feel like I'm back to my old self. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> it, it sounds like um, either he found a chew that he is uh, more happy with or Scott Kubal went with him to his doctor, and they got a new prescription for him. Oh, yuck. All right, this next tweet. This next tweet is always nice when we hear the the frustration of the fans leaking out of professionals. This is a tweet from Amber Theo Harris. You may remember her from her days at Masson, at Amber Theo Harris. Uh, Frowny face, sick face, persevering face, if you hover over it. That's what it says. Anyway. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. (laughs) How does that happen? Phone gets shut off. Smoke signal's not available. Someone push a button. And this is actually a retweet of Rockabaco's tweet that says, also on Mass and All Access Show, Duquette indicated there have been no extension talks with Scope and Jones. Hashtag Orioles. So this goes to prove that once you're able to leave Mass and that you are able to have a cognitive thought, basically. I just, I like the fact that, minus the fact that I don't know what the emoji is, this is exactly the kind of crap that we think when we read those tweets. Sure. Um, Jake, I've got a question for you. Uh, the pace of play slash kind of delay aspect has been a big uh, story lately within Major League Baseball. And I sometimes think about this and I think to myself in terms of the replays, is this better? Is this a better system going about? Um, and Bill James uh, online. So Bill James, of course, is a uh, noted uh, sabermetrician from well back in the day. And to to a certain regard, his current views on sabermetrics are maybe a little outdated. Um but he asked this question on his uh, on his Twitter profile. If you go back to a world in which referees missed a few calls, but the games were never delayed to check the video, would you? So, Jake, let me ask you that question. Would you get rid of replay and just be willing to excel to have wrong calls made? Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like I'd rather go either no replay or all replay. Okay. Just with as inconsistent as I feel like Major League Baseball system is. But sports at large, yeah, kind of. I, I, I kind of, you know, feel like replay has clearly improved the accuracy of the game and that benefit has has some unintended unintended consequences associated with it. Um yeah, so for my taste, yes. Okay. I'm all for replay still remaining. I think it has um inherent value. Um, but I completely agree with you in terms of um I think it needs to be picked at. And I think it's one of those situations where I'm not sure we need to be um being so precise with the aspect of maybe the you know tags that are made at second base but when it comes to home runs which was the original aspect sure i think that's a bigger aspect it comes back to the whole jeffrey mayer incident which is i think that's what you're trying to solve you're not trying to solve whether or not the foot came off the bag and did you actually apply the tag i think that's what calls us to basically get into instant slow-mo as opposed to just making the call in the heat of the moment. And the other thing is, how how many legitimate instances of three-and-a-half-minute calls are there in baseball, right? right? How many times are there that you can spend three-and-a-half minutes looking at replay and still know nothing compared to what you did beforehand? Sure. Yeah, I mean, excellent point. I just think that this is something that, as pace of play continues to be uh, a topic of conversation for Major League Baseball, one would think that instant replay is going to be decreased rather than further increased in the future. All right. This next tweet is from a person we like doing a thing we like. A tweet from Justin McGuire, who, of course, tweets at J. McGuire MLB. The Locked On Orioles podcast launches this week. Be sure you're following at Locked On Orioles. Here's the thing. We say it all the time. If you spend 45 minutes to an hour with Scott and I every week, you have a problem. And frankly, 
we question your decision-making. But if you've got time for us, you've got time for other Orioles blogs and podcasts. Justin McGuire knows his baseball. He's a great guy. And if he is lending his voice to yet another podcast, because please do not forget his baseball uh, by the books podcast, um, check out this Locked on Orioles. I know I'll be listening to the first episode. Um, J- Justin, we love you and uh, and good luck. But I think his son's still going to prefer our podcast over his own. But One can only hope. One can only hope. Uh, Jake, I've got some, uh, some big news for you, if you don't mind. Um, Jake, it's time for the hashtag Brian Roberts Watch. Yes, that's right, Jake. It's time for the hashtag the Brian Roberts Watch. This tweet comes from the Baltimore Orioles at Orioles, and they announce Orioles 2018 radio broadcast team. Joe Angel returns for 19th year as voice of the Angels. Woohoo! Jim Hunter, 22nd year as member of the broadcast team, radio and Mason. Uh, Brian Roberts. Womp, womp. Brian Roberts owes radio newcomer providing analysis for select games. Oh, <gasps> Brian Roberts. Brian Roberts. And Ben McDonald returns for a third year as an analyst, too. That's good news, too. That is good news. Anything to get Jim Hunter out of the booth, apparently, was what Joe Angel requested. All right. I, I am actually pretty stoked at this. I'm surprised. I, I'm going to say it again. I didn't, I didn't think he would want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> I am surprised that they don't have him on TV. Because yeah. if you ask me which is, is a better combination, former great Oriole and pretty boy we can put on TV, or former great Oriole and analysis... I would probably go the former rather than the latter. But uh, Brian Roberts was a favorite of mine. I love watching him play. Um, he's also a really smart guy, so I'm hoping that he will be a natural fit for the radio. I know that he has done a little bit of radio in the past for the Orioles. I know that he's he's flirted with the MLB network. Um, I wish the best for him, and anything that can get him back and close to us uh, here in Baltimore, I am all for. Interesting to note, Bordick is not mentioned in that, and Bordick did a lot of color commentary oh goodness, last year on the that's radio. Interesting, yeah. You know, they also they don't mention Dave Johnson. <laughs> they don't mention Dave Johnson. They don't mention Tom Davis. Yeah. Although I'll tell you what, I'm not, I I'm shocked by this. Uh, I listen to Tom Davis do play by play. I guess you know J- Joe Angel must have been stuck in the bathroom or something. But I listen to him do play by play for like a solid two innings and he was pretty decent jake if you can read the mars ad you can do play by play for the baltimore <laughs> if you can breathe life into the mars ad all right our next tweet Entenmann's two for five dollars that's a deal two for five whoa be right I, back and i think it's not mars because i think mars is out of business so i think it's i think it's weiss whatever yeah or our, he is our next tweet comes from mike petrelio uh from mlb at under at mike underscore petrelio I'm not at all convinced that C.J. Crone is actually better than Corey Dickerson. So this is an interesting move. This, of course, is uh, a reference to something we we, uh, referenced earlier, which is uh, Corey Dickerson uh, DFA'd by the Tampa Bay Rays as they try to unload um, some salary. Corey Dickerson, that's a surprise to me. He was their all-star last year. Yes. And not even like their Ty Wigginton all-star. Right. Actually, Somewhat decent player. I wouldn't say great player, but a somewhat right. decent player is the best way to describe it. A player that it is not going to dynamically shift the talent level of your team, but a player that has a, a significant role potentially on a team. Yeah, it's very surprising. Um, do you think that that's just payroll? Do you think maybe there's a suspension coming? Or do you think that uh, you know he didn't want to be there after Longoria got traded and he was I think a problem it's, I think it's just money. All right. It is interesting that... They let him go through arbitration, and why would you just cut the money to begin with and just roll with it? But I do think that um, the Rays basically said, we're going to take the arbitration on, and we're going to look for a way to unload him via trade, as opposed to saying, we're going to waive him through arbitration and not get anything back in return. I feel like there are 29 fan bases saying, oh, so when we pick up uh, Corey, Corey Dickerson, we'll be fine, right? Yeah, I think there's probably more like 28, because I don't think the Yankees and or the Red Sox would want to pick him up, but... Fair enough. Past that. Um, As noted this past week, um, this week on the Twitter can sometimes be called uh, the stuff Matt tweets um, uh, category for a bird's eye view. Uh, So this tweet comes from Matt Kremenser, um, member of the Hall of Fame for this week on the Twitter. You can follow him at Matt Kremenser. Uh, O's could sign Cobb slash Lynn plus another outfielder and would still finish under last year's payroll. Would certainly be a weird time to hold back when O's are going for it slash reloading. Yep, that pretty much just sums up our podcast. So Folks, we'll talk to you next week. Switch um, off the mics. We're done here. Matt basically uh, summarized our podcast in 140 characters or less. Mm, dang. Yeah. Dang. I hate when he does that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt makes a great point here. There's, you know, it's great that the Orioles are making moves and starting to fill in the gaps, but it still feels like it still feels like there's something else that has to be done. But you know, before we get to that, let's go around the bases and cover um, what the Orioles did do this week, and then figure out um, what's next. All right, Jake, as we sat down last week, we kind of had that conversation of, yeah, spring training had started, but it didn't really feel like the offseason was over yet. And that's because there were so many holes that were present. And a part of me feels like the Orioles made moves this week. And I feel like to a certain regard, I'm more excited now for the Orioles season come up because there actually is some semblance of a baseball team here as opposed to a non-semblance and basically having a bunch of question marks going into the season. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like until one big thing happens for the Orioles, the rest is just window dressing. Gotcha. And everything that they've done, I feel, is okay, right? It's fine. Okay. In itself, not worth praising or, or critiquing. But in absence of that one big thing, none of this helps. Right. And, and so as we look at the, the moves that the Orioles make, and we'll go through each of them in a little bit, I, I just want to underscore, I'm not upset about any of these moves. I just don't want to get excited about them either. Because if the Orioles fail to follow up on these moves, there's no point in getting excited. Well, Jake, as you know, uh, I'm really big on interior design. So let's talk about window decoration, and let's go to first base and talk about the Andrew Kashner signing. All right. Andrew Kashner. Now, you went elsewhere this past week to talk about the Kashner signing. Uh, and, and you, you know, you seemed a little down on the move itself, but if I could just paraphrase, let me, sure. let me see if I've got this right. Yeah. Andrew Kashner is a real major league pitcher yes. who on most clubs, if he's in the role of being a fourth or fifth starter, anybody would take. Sure. So the Orioles signing Andrew Kashner, I think is a good thing. They didn't have a fourth or fifth starter. Yep. They now have one. Yep. This is a positive development. This is a player who has some troubling uh, peripherals, but also has the possibility of contributing to a real major league team. And so that's good. Sure. And I think it comes back to you look at Andrew Kashner, and he's definitely not one of those top tier targets. He's not even a second tier target. He is a number three, number four tier target. But as I pointed out before, he's a solid number four, number five pitcher on I'd say the majority of MLB clubs, basically. He's going to put up somewhere in the ballpark of 0.5 to 1.0 F4, um, maybe even a little bit more than that. But I think that's probably where he's going to end up. Um, and for the money that the Orioles gave to him of, you know, a straight up $8 million, and then if he can hit the incentives a little bit more than that, that's fine. I, I think that's basically the cost of having a pitcher that, you know, is Above average is the best way to describe it. I won't even go average. I'll go above average. And if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, I think that his base salary is only in the five six million range this year. So yeah, in yeah that, they did a, they, they deferred salary, so it's only five million dollars this year. Yeah, in that reloading year, sure. in the you know playoffs or bust, you know he's he's pretty affordable. I think the thing that that and you pointed out this uh, earlier in the week. I think is right to to look at is the peripherals, right? How is he going to perform in Camden Yards? How is he going to perform in the AL East? Because remember, you know, 76 games or whatever the Orioles play in the AL East, he's going to have to pitch some of them in Camden, in Fenway, in Yankee Stadium. He does throw ground balls. That's good. That's a good thing. Sure. But by that same aspect, you look at his ground balls, and I think he was at 48% last year. Um, But Wade Miley was at 50% last year. Was Wade Miley particularly good and effective ground ball pitcher in Camden Yards? I don't remember because I've fired my memories of Wade Miley into the sun. Look, I, I come back to the point of it's easy for us to come back and say, oh, well, he's a ground ball pitcher. That means he's going to do well. But you also look at the peripheral stats and you look at like their home runs per fly ball that he had last year. It was 8.6, where historically he's been, you know, 11 to 14 percent. So you look at that and it's like, yep, that's a clear sign that it's going to regress back to the norm and it's going to be not so great. Um you look at his strikeout rate, 4.64 Ks per nine. I mean, it's abysmal. I mean, and I don't think it's he's probably as bad as he was last year in terms of the Ks per nine, but it's something that you look at and you say, that's probably not 
trending in the right direction, especially with him going to be 32 years old this year. So you look at the reduced strikeouts, the reduced you know swing rates in terms of whiffs, um, and you just look at the aspect of the prevalence of the home run potentially going to be coming back this year, and you say, yeah, he's probably going to be closer to you know a 4.6 to a 4.8 ERA this year rather than the 3.40 that he had last year. Talk to me about velocity. I know that it's not quite as striking as Giovanni Gallardo, and everybody's been saying Gallardo, but we have seen Andrew Kashner's uh, fastball velocity generally decreasing over the last couple of years. Sure. Is that a concern for you? It, it is. It, I mean, it's not Gallardo territory where Gallardo came in, was throwing at 90 miles per hour, and we're like... On a good day. Right, and we're like, ooh, like, this is really bad. Like, how is this going to get by? Gonna get by? And it's the same thing with Chris Tillman, where we looked at last year and said oh, he's only throwing at 90 to 91 miles per hour. Like, this isn't going to cut it. Unless Tillman's throwing at 93, it's not really effective. You know, Kashner's still up there in terms of, you know, fastball velocity. I think it was like 93.5, which is not terrible. But again, it's not just about velocity. It's also about the movement of the fastball. And you look at how he loses his, you know, off-speed pitches in terms of his curveball and his changeup, and it it just doesn't look like it's going to work out well from a pitch tunneling standpoint. You've read of these articles about pitch tunneling, right, and what that is getting into. But basically, it's when the ball is being released from the pitcher, it indicates, you know, how well that pitch overlaps with other pitches. And unfortunately, from a pitch tunneling standpoint, his fastball, which is now more of a sinker, doesn't really tunnel very well with his changeup and curve. Um, not to mention, if you looked at some of his curves, they're not have that speed. It doesn't have that movement, as we saw before, where it has that sudden drop-off from a 12 to 6. It's more kind of a a slurve is the best way to describe it. And I think we've seen when a slurve is operational, it's not really working very well, such as with Kevin Gossman's at the beginning of last year. <sighs> it gets nailed in the ALE. So I just think there's a lot of potential for danger signs here. And I know the Orioles are, are seeing it because that's why, well, I shouldn't just say the Orioles, all the Major League Baseball is seeing it, which is why Kashner got the contract he did. But, and, look, and look, it's okay. It's okay. It's I mean, okay to sign Kashner. And I don't, I don't want to sound down on it because I, I actually agree with you 100% that you need to look at Kashner and, and see the warts. But the thing is that the Orioles, if they're going to be if they're going to be decent, if this team is going to compete, they're going to compete with the understanding that everything has to go well, right? That the hitting is going to hit, that the pitching is going to pitch. And if the hitting hits, then you can look at Kashner and you can see him regress to, you know, a 3.9 ERA and, you know. Uh, if if Kashner had a 3.9 ERA, I would dance in the streets. Sure, because. Or dance in the streets. Absolutely, because you think that our offense can cover that oh, kind yeah. of mistake. It's the thing is if Kevin Gossman had a three point nine ERA, I would dance in the streets. If he ends up in the you know in the five FIP territory that Steamer has him projected, then you're a little more concerned. Sure, um, but I, and again, it was Andrew Stecka who tweeted out something interesting this week that said, you know, the thing that you guys are going to be disappointed about is the fact that this is the Orioles' big move. Right. If that's true, that's a problem. And I think that was the big question: is Cashner got signed? And you're like, okay. Now we've got two more slots. Is it going to be internal, or are the Orioles actually going to go out and make a big move? And the Orioles did go out and make another big move, and we go to second base. And the Orioles come back and sign Chris Tillman today uh, for a one-year deal, $3 million base salary, um, with incentives to get up to $10 million, which, again, we're left with the aspect of, all right, now you've got two starters, and they're probably at best fourth and fifth starters. But, again, you don't have that number three starter to basically tie together with Gossman and Bundy. I want to say, here. here's the thing I want to say. There's a lot of things you want to say. <laughs> yes. In, in the positive, here's what I want sure. to say. I want to say that Chris Tillman can't be as bad as he was last year. I look at Chris Tillman and I say, this is a bounce back candidate for a cheap major league deal to bring him back and see what he's got left. He can't possibly be as bad as he was he's not injury laden it appears that he he seems to know something about what happened to him last year um there is a real chance that chris tillman could come back and be a meaningful pitcher not an ace sure. you know, not a guy that's top of your rotation but again a major league pitcher that anybody would want on their staff in the in the lower end of the the rotation and for real major league guys i'm okay with that yeah, and I think it covers, you know, when we talked about it earlier this season, we said we'd be okay with going out and getting Chris Tillman as your fifth starter if it's going to be in that ballpark of $5 million. And lo and behold, it came out to be $3 million, and then the incentives basically could get it up to ten. And I'm perfectly okay with that because worst case to worst, if we get to, let's call it end of April, middle of May, and Chris Tillman's just not cutting it, great. You're going to designate him for assignment, and you're going to say, Chris, it was nice knowing you. 
but you know this is not working out for get us. Get off my mouth. We're going to have to go ahead and, and, and cut bait. And the Orioles have shown the ability to do that in the past with other players. Now, people can come back and look at Abaldo Jimenez, but Abaldo Jimenez was in a different payroll regard than a Chris Tillman. So I do think that if it doesn't work out, even during spring training, I think the Orioles could just say, Chris, this isn't working out. We're going to have to let you go, and we're just going to have to go with the options that we have. And that option may be a Rule 5 draft pick if they feel like he's a better option than Chris Tillman leaving spring training. Yeah. And again, all of this is fine if... If they do something else. If they do something else. Again, you look at Kashner and you look at Tillman, you say, okay, you spent $8 million, um, and you really haven't got a, a solid pitcher that you know increases your depth significantly. I mean, you look at the Zips um, you know, war that has been put up by Zimbrowski. Tillman's projected to have like a 0.5 or 0.6 zip, um, and then Kashner is right around like a 0.7 to I think 1.0, I think is about the highest I've seen. Which is, which is, again, fourth and fifth starter territory. You need to go out there and get someone that's going to be, you know, at least a 2.0 F war. And there's really only two pitchers out there now that it can do that. Um, if the Orioles don't go out and get them signed, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying going and signing them is going to make or break the Orioles season in terms of being a playoff team or not. I'm just saying you need to set yourself up in the best case scenario, um, just like Matt indicated. And if you're not going to do that, then what's the point of going into the season kind of half-assing it? We've, we've said it over and over again. Lynn and Cobb are that, that uh, uh, tier of pitchers that the Orioles really need to fill that second-slash-third spot in their rotation. They're obviously not going to get any of the top-flight guys. So, you know, we keep talking about it. We keep saying Lynn and Cobb. And when those two guys get signed elsewhere, that's when I'm really going to start freaking out and lighting my torch and grabbing my pitchfork. So let me ask you this. Is there anybody else on the free ag- free agent uh, landscape that they could sign and you would feel good about in conjunction with these other moves that they've made? Well, before we get there, because I feel like we're on second base and there's going to be a long uh, single to the gap, basically, for me to score here to get to home plate. So can we just stretch it out at third base a little bit to maybe talk a little about um, maybe some, some thin-skinned um, indications? So Buck basically put it out there saying that he was going to sit down with the team during the team meeting with everyone there and he was going to basically tell them, um, you know, what happened last year was unacceptable and the fan base um, expects better for them going forward. And uh, Adam Jones basically said, well, you have to have thick skin in, in this business because you need to be able to hear this criticism and be able to reflect on it and basically move on. Um, and I thought it was very interesting to see Adam Jones indicate that he had thick skin. And I think to a certain regards, Adam Jones probably has one of the thickest skins on the entire team. I think we saw that last year with the the racial incidents in Boston and sure. how well Adam Jones handled himself. But I, I do think that, you know, we've talked about this before. Adam Jones sometimes doesn't have a thick skin in, in terms of um, his social media presence is the best way to describe it. And his want and his need to basically banter with trolls and or people on the Internet. Twitter has not been a good look for Adam Jones in the last two weeks. It just hasn't. There have been a lot of times where he's been getting into it. And not unpleasantly, I would say. No. Not not like, you know, nothing super embarrassing. But there are a lot of, of you know, exchanges where I'm like, you know, Adam, just just let him go. Like, yeah. this is not worth it. It's not worth it. And it comes back to you look at it and you think to yourself, Adam, you've got to have better things going on. Like, right. you know, your family's got to be down with you. Like, I can barely get away for five minutes to look on Twitter, basically, without me, like, playing with my kid and stuff like that. Like, I can't imagine that. Adam is just sitting there just scrolling through and being like, oh, this guy called me out. I'm going to go ahead and jump on this one and do not feed the trolls. Do not read the comments. It's the the prime rules of the Internet, except for that 34th. Don't continue to give them fuel. Do you think that this will come to a cease as spring training starts in earnest? I don't think so. I mean, I think we've seen Adam Jones be active before on Twitter during the season. I just think that. I think Adam's bored right now is the best way to describe it. And I think he's just basically twiddling his thumbs right now. And he's just like, I got nothing else to do. So let me go ahead and do this. I don't think so. I think that Adam Jones has been using his social media account to uh, continue to negotiate the contract situation. You've heard him, you know, you've seen him tweet about just wanting to win and, and that counts more than money and yada, yada, yada. And I wonder if the gloves are off a little bit in this contract year in which he's not getting what he wants. 
he wants to get an extension offer. Whether or not he takes it is one thing. Sure. But I think it's bruised his ego, you know, underneath that thick skin, that the club hasn't even offered him anything, hasn't even made him a priority. And I think this is his way of acting out for attention from the club. You know, you guys aren't going to give me the respect I deserve. Well, you know, I'm going to be a little bit of a malcontent, and this is how I'm going to do it. I, I, I Possibly, but I just think of this as more just the aspect of Adam basically just being a little bit like, hey, if people are going to call me out and say I'm not as good, you know, this is just me sticking up for myself, basically. And but we, By the way, your mileage may vary. Right. I don't like it, but there may be other people that are totally on board right you know that there may be people out there that love adam jones for this and you know god love you but for my taste you know no thanks yeah and i, I don't know how it resonates too in terms of if adam is angling for another contract even with another team i don't know how this helps him in this regard as well um so now that we've kind of stretched out the third plate that third base can we go to home plate and say What's next, and what's the kind of free agency out there that's going to do it? Am I going to trip on the way like Jack Cust? It's a possibility. So you look at the free agents out there, and, you know, J.D. Martinez was signed today. Uh, You had Jared Dyson signed, who I don't know if would be a top free agent. But, again, you look at a two-year, $7 million deal, and you say, that seems like a deal the Orioles could have made um, and basically gotten some outfield depth. And I'm not saying that Jared Dyson was going to significantly move the needle, but it gives the team something that they're sorely lacking or is unknown. I mean, Austin Hayes could be that player for you, but you're not sure if Austin Hayes is going to be able to deliver on that this year. And for three and a half per, you know what Jared Dyson gives you. Right, exactly. So I just, I look at it and I say, why not make that chance? Why not take that aspect and basically build up depth strength um, and, and kind of go from here? And I, that's frustrating to me. But again, coming back to what's next for the Orioles, the Orioles need to go out and get one more large starting pitcher. Um, I personally think that that individual is Alex Cobb. I don't think it's Lance Lynn. Um, I think it has to be Alex Cobb. And if it's not Alex Cobb, then the Orioles are going to have to have a serious conversation of saying, how are we going to go out and get a starting pitcher? Because we're going to have to trade for somebody. So this comes back to one of my things that I think the Orioles need to be given consideration to. And I don't even know if it's going to play very well. But I look at the remaining free agents that are out there. I look at Jonathan Lucroy still sitting out there. And I know we talked about Jonathan Lucroy not being, mm-hmm. you know, something we want to spend on at this time. But if the orders are that significantly under in payroll, I would give consideration of saying maybe we should go out and sign Jonathan Lucroy to basically platoon with Caleb Joseph and then use Lucroy and Joseph and then say, okay, Cisco, you're not going to work out for us. We are going to trade Cisco because you have Austin Wynn sitting in the backup too, which is a more proven defensive catcher than a chance Cisco. Go out and look for somebody that says, you know what, I'm willing to take a chance on uh, Chance Cisco. You're not going to get a premier starting pitcher, but maybe you're able to put together something like a a Tanner Scott and a Chance Cisco for a player like Odorizzi. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at what the Twins got for Odorizzi, and they traded away, I think it was their 24th-ranked prospect for Odorizzi, and I'm not saying Odorizzi's great. Sure. But what I'm saying is Odorizzi falls into that line of saying, yeah, Odorizzi could be similar to a Cobb and Lynn, in my opinion, in terms of quality. He could be absolutely horrible, like a Wade Miley, but I could see him being in that same aspect. I think the Orioles could potentially go out there and get a decent starting pitcher, maybe not a great starting pitcher, but a decent starting pitcher um, kind of moving forward. I would be looking at the Cubs and the Astros and just seeing who's willing to take on um, catching depth and pitching depth. Um, in their organization right now um, and see if they could turn them into something else. And who has an embarrassment of riches at starting pitching. Right, exactly. And I don't know if it would happen, but I think that's what the next move the Orioles need to be given consideration of. If they can't land Cobb and or Lynn, they need to start saying, who can we trade in order to basically make this happen and who can give us our depth? And I think Lucor could be that dark horse for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I, I really want the Orioles to go for one of those two pitchers. I, I again, would prefer it to be Cobb. I agree that I don't have as much confidence in Lynn, but again, if I I feel like that they go for Lynn and they offer him a deal and he accepts, they tried. Yeah, right. Um, but looking at who else is left on the market, there are some really big names, Scott, that you and I have not tossed out there, and I think deserve um, attention. And if they don't deserve attention, well, then isn't that really right up the Orioles? That is right uh, up the Orioles. Alley. Alley. Yeah. So let's take a look at a 32 year old. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, free agent pitcher who's on the market right now. And might I add, 
a bit of a known commodity. Okay. And Scott, I am, of course, referring to uh, Jar Jurgens. Oh, Jar Jurgens. Uh, you know, former Ur- Oriole has a... Uh, I can know, rip on my jersey. I still have it. Do you really? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> All right. So maybe Jurgens is not your cup of tea. Let's look at somebody who has had some, you know, success in the league. Someone, again, with an Orioles connection. Somebody we know. A uh, little bit older. Okay. okay. A 35-year-old uh, free agent. But again, we're not going to compete for very long, so maybe that's a good fit. Uh, Scott, a free agent still out there and available. Scott Feldman. Ooh, Scott Feldman. Yeah, um... Not feeling Scott Feldman. Not no? feeling it at all. These are old guys. All right. These yeah. are these are old guys. Let's go younger, Scotty, because there is a 30-year-old starting pitcher out there on the market, not taken by anybody just yet. And I think that the Orioles make the right deal and they strike at the right time. If they're lucky, they may be able to get their hands on one Jeremy Hellickson. Oh, darn, I thought you were gonna say about a Jimenez. <laughs> <laughs> I was building up. I was building up. No, but if, if you look at the starting pitching out there, I mean, you just look at the names and you're like, well, they're either has-beens or they're complete question marks. And you look at guys that may be able to help you, and I think that the list is pretty uh, small of guys that you know are going to be decent. And uh, you know, I think again, if the Orioles can't slash won't try for one of those two guys. I look at the rest of their their efforts for the offseason and think, well, you mailed it in. I agree with you. I mean, I just think that, you know, there has to be one more starting pitcher, and it's got to be Coverland. Let me raise this question to you, because we talked about him earlier in the show. Um, Dickerson, are you going after Dickerson if you're the Baltimore Orioles? Um, I, you know, the thing is, is that he, he made the all-star team as a DH last year, yes. right? Don't the Orioles have, like, 12 DHs on the roster I mean, if you, they do, if you look at Trumbo and Davis and Mancini and guys that, you know, all they do is mash. I'm not sure that I want one to, of them has to hit eventually, though. Right. All right. If all they, all they do is kind of mash. Um, I, I feel like you have to go for another set of skills. Right. And I and I feel like, uh, you know, a guy like but is that the Oriole way? No, it's not. <laughs> That's that's why you look at a guy like uh, Dyson. And, and you're right. I was excited about that. You know. I know that people have been talking about uh, John Jay, thinking that that might be something that the Orioles can do to go ahead and get some on-base percentage. Maybe. I I honestly would not care uh, how much power a left-handed hitter could hit with if you have to have a lefty. I would much rather get, um, you know, somebody who could field competently and get on base because if the Orioles are going to win— they're going to live and die with the guys we already have, the names we already know. If Davis and Trumbo can get close back to something of use, you know, if Man- if Machado can be on, if Mancini can be on, if-, if Scope and Jones can be on, well, then the rest is just, as you indicated, window dressing. We can afford to have a right fielder who maybe isn't the best. We can afford to have a catching spot that's not going to produce a whole lot of offense if the rest of those guys are giving it at all. And... If the pitching staff isn't blowing up every other game, then the pressure won't be on those guys, and maybe they can hope to do something. It's a thin hope, but at least it's there. Yeah, I mean, this whole season is resting on a thin hope. I mean, you you look at what the Red Sox did with going out and getting J.D. Martinez, Mm -hmm. and they filled a a necessary hole in their lineup. Um, And what did the Orioles do? They went out and signed Chris Tillman. And it's just like, it's it's a completely different ballgame. I mean, one is basically the varsity 4A team, and, and we're basically playing JV1A farm pickup, basically. And I've said it before. If they're not going to go out and get real players, if they're not actually going to try, they could do a lot to win my heart by signing Ichiro Suzuki. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> let's have a blast. Let's do it. Let's just go out and get all the good ones, you know. You talk about the Oriole way. Has-beens are the thing we do. That, that is true. That is the uh, good old way. Uh, excuse me. We can out-opportunity people. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Ichiro right there and with the Jim Temes and the Vladimir Guerreros of the past. Absolutely. Soon to be a Hall of Famers who once passed through an Oriole uniform. Right. All right. Well, anything else that we want to cover here around the bases? Absolutely not. All right. So it's been one week into spring training now, and I think we basically have solved all the mysteries, which is the Baltimore Orioles in terms of uh, knowing exactly how they're going to perform this upcoming season. So let's go in and uh, basically do this groundbreaking analysis, which Bird's Eye View is infamous for. All 
All right, Scotty, you uh, you teed it up perfectly. S- spring training is upon us, and it is time for that signature lack of insight and baseless opinion for which we are known. Um, with the massive, just earth-shattering stories that have come out of Sarasota in this this the first week of spring training, I think it's time to start our irregular piece that we will start calling "What We Know So Far." And here, Scott, the things that we know so far in spring training. First of all. And I think that everyone can, you know, wrap themselves in the warm embrace of this news. Chris Davis has absurd facial hair again. Why does he do this? Like, what is the incentive for him to basically go out there and say, I want to look absolutely pornographic, basically, in nature? I got this. Okay. He is so disappointed with the way that he has played before. This is his Sergeant Pepper. He is impersonating another baseball player, Right. This is not the Chris Davis of old. This is some other guy who swings when he oughtn't to and doesn't swing when he ought to and makes us sad. Or you know, does the mustache really work well down in Siesta Key? Is there a um, large contingent of individuals that might like the mustache ride? I do. I do. What else do we know so far Scott Magnus. Uh, So as much as we've joked about lacking pitchers, uh, the Orioles need more catchers or at least people who can take bullpen sessions. As we mentioned in uh, the medical wing, the Orioles are literally assigning catchers left and right into their minor league camp just to basically catch um, the the pitchers out there. And it's amazing. Um, I guess the lack of, you know, planning that went into this because you would think that the Orioles would say, wow, if we're going to have that many pitchers, we better have a bunch of people ready to catch. And it feels like at the last moment, the Orioles are like, well, I guess we better go go out and sign somebody. You know, uh, Baltimore Orioles, I was a left-handed catcher from the age of 9 to 15. So just throwing that out there, it's been a little while, but I can throw on the tools of ignorance and, uh, you know, stop a pitch or two before you have to take me to the hospital. So you just have to catch it and shake it off and little, then catch it again? A little bit. Okay. Uh, next, here is something we know so far. Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope are saying all the right things to diffuse the looming questions over their future. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we talked about the fact that Jonathan Scope is going to be asked about FanFest, and he's, you know, he said all the right things. Okay, fine. That'll be a story for a sure. day, and then it'll be over. Yeah. I thought it was really smart for them both to come in on the same time at the exact same moment. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we're both going to ask the same freaking questions. Let's just roll in at the same time and just take it all on the chin at once and say exactly the same thing. And then we'll roll back right back out onto the field and play. And they both, re- you know, reported early, right? right? So they're not malcontents. They're no. being model citizens. They're doing what they're supposed to do on the baseball field, which is really all we should care about. Right. But I think, you know, you look at Manny and you look at scope and then you look at what Adam Jones has been saying mm-hmm. and you look and you're like, oh, all right, well, Manny and scope are, are basically saying exactly what you would expect the players to say, um, where Adam is being a little bit more vocal. And I guess my question is, you know, I was giving Jones, headache for it in the last segment at third base um but should we actually praise jones more so in that instance rather than just hear the you know generic responses that scope and manny are giving to the media no because none of it matters right exactly like, this, is, yeah. this is a game right. this is a game that doesn't matter you know i'm gonna go and give him 110 percent. i'm gonna give it my best yeah yeah this is the only organization i've ever known gee i really hope golly shucks that i can stay i hope i get the opportunity they don't care they don't care right yeah it's all gonna come down to the dollars and we know that and they know that this no, it's is gonna just, come down to winning apparently by adam jones's aspect this is something that we have to do to fill the space until the game starts right exactly and i completely agree with you I think this is just empty space. I just think when it comes to Adam Jones talking about, you know, things outside his control are really kind of trying to blow things up and cause, you know, in the wrestling world, they call this a pipe bomb, basically. I feel like this is just Adam Jones basically just trying to fuel fire and get some attention out of the matter. Can I tell you something else we know thus far? Alex Presley has been signed by the Baltimore Orioles to, as the Baltimore Sun noted in their headline, Address, address the Orioles' need for a left-handed outfield bat. Yikes. Yikes. There's also one thing we learned, and that's um, Peter Schmuck is slowly trying to kill the entire beat writer crew with donuts upon donuts upon donuts. Because, Look what it did to Kevin Gosman. Right, exactly. So, um, yep, you might want to tailor back the sugar intake down there, Petey. I don't know if the Hawaiian shirts are going to be able to fit anymore. Yeah. That's the, so these are these are all the exciting things that we know so far. This combined this with, is what we basically yearn for for the entire offseason. Say, oh, if we can just get to spring training, 
we will finally get to see baseball. And, and this is baseball, obviously. There is a, a plethora of topics of baseball that we just covered. Paired with grainy photos of people in running shorts. Absolutely. In the best shape of their lives. So like I said, we will cover this in the future in terms of what we know so far uh, on a weekly basis in terms of letting you know what we know here at Bird's Eye View. And with that, I think it's time we go ahead and uh, blow the save. All right, Jake. So I want to bring back the topic back to Andrew Kashner, who the Orioles signed. And, um, you know, from an on-field standpoint, I think, you know, Kashner is an interesting player for the Orioles to pick up. But I have certain reservations about it. And I also have certain reservations about it, mainly for some off-field standpoint, too. So here's my problem with Andrew Kashner is Andrew Kashner is one of the individuals in Major League Baseball that is a heavy proponent for Second Amendment rights, and has also come out in the past of basically promoting and uh, signing off on uh, various guns. So um, there is a situation in 2015 where Andrew Kashner went and uh, sponsored um, a handgun, semi-automatic handgun, called the Taurus Curve. Um, it was basically to um, promoted to share the passion for other shooting sports with other gun owners and baseball fans alike. And Basically, what this semi-automatic gun looks like, it looks like it has a curved handle, and it's supposed to be able to fit directly into your clothes so that it can be pulled directly out rather than have it holstered. And Andrew Kashner went basically on an interview tour at this time, and he basically promoted the aspect of why it was so good to own firearms, what you know memories he had as a child, basically going out with his family, and just kind of going all about this aspect of why the Second Amendment is such an important aspect um, there was one quote in particular that I thought was of interest um, in this aspect, and it came from Personal Defense World, and it's dated uh, October 21st, 2015, and it quotes as follows. The interviewer asks, if you could only own one gun, what would it be? And Andrew asks, or answers as follows. If I could only own one gun, it would have to be an AR-15. It is not necessarily my favorite gun, but if I could have only one, that would be my choice. Jake... As we all know, um, the AR-15 um, was part of a, a, a absolutely mindless and horrible um, event this past week. And, um, you know, I, I really am happy the Orioles went on to Andrew Kashner. But, you know, if we're going to be honest, I'm here to call BS. And I'm here to call BS on that aspect of there is no reason in the world that a Major League Baseball player should ever be endorsing um, guns, especially easily concealable handguns. And I think it's important for us as Orioles fans and for the beat writers to potentially ask this question to Andrew Kashner of saying um, whether or not he still supports the aspect of um, gun rights at this time and or why he basically decided to go out and get a promotion through a uh, gun distributor during 2015. Look, there's no way this was a heavy endorsement laden aspect. Andrew Kashner had made millions at this point. This was something that personally Andrew Kashner felt very strong about and wanted to basically put his own personal name to something. And there's no other team player in Major League Baseball that I can find record of particularly endorsing a particular handgun. So, Jake, I'm here to call, just like the teens in Florida are calling, I'm here to call BS. And I'm here to say, you know, this country has an issue. And it's important for players to basically speak up when we have these issues. I've been berating Adam Jones pretty hard in this episode. But at the same point, when there was a political issue last year with Adam Jones with the racial insensitivity, Adam Jones did exactly what he was supposed to do as per his platform and basically sp spoke up for it and said, this is not acceptable. We are not going to let this happen, and we're going to improve on this. And Andrew Kashner is using his platform not for that aspect of improving this country, but more so for the aspect of getting dollars and endorsements in order to basically support his so-called hobby. There's a better way to go about doing this. There's a better way that we can improve this country. We need to have these conversations at the forefront. And the first way we do it is when people make statements like this, it's time for us to have that conversation and say, why do you have that statement? And why can we not get better at this? Co-signed. <laughs> Although I will tell you that he'd probably tell us that someone else is here in the, the uh, clubhouse to keep the change. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's all I have for my blowing the save. And marvelously done so, sir. And with that, that's our show. Remember that you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes of birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. 
Bird's Eye View is available for a download wherever that you may find a podcast. Uh, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. And it encourages other people to listen for the first time. We love meeting new people and talking Orioles baseball with other diehard fans. Email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the very best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Seriously, let's go O's. Go sign somebody. Get off the tushy to somebody's. Get Brady Anderson out there. Have him navigate a deal, and let's let's sign somebody. One one somebody. Yeah, you. anybody. Please do something.